God. Well, Ephesians says that God, who is rich in mercy for the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath made us alive with Christ, raised us up and seated us together in the heavenlies with him, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding kindness of the riches of his grace to us. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Can you say amen? So how many are saved by grace this morning? How many is happy that you're saved? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you for the riches of your grace. We thank you for what's been done for us in Christ. Blessed be your name today, Lord God. Father, we ask that your word would be open to us today, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear. We thank you, Father God, that Jesus would be seen, that you would be glorified, that we'd have utterance to speak. And we praise you and thank you, Father God, for bringing us into the best place that we've ever been in this year for your glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Tell your neighbor God's bringing you into the blessed place you've ever been in. Praise the Lord. All right, you can be seated. Woo! Thank you, praise and worship team. Glory to God. Everybody doing good today? Praise the Lord. Well, in uh, thinking about and praying about what to share today, uh, my uh, inclination and seems like my heart's direction was to go back to some uh, things that we had previously talked about, uh, and that was a vision statement that we had uh, uh, felt like that was descriptive of what God was calling us to do as a church. And that vision statement was uh, several years ago, and it was walking in the great commandment, living in great faith, and fulfilling the great commission. How many knows that love is the great command? And then Jesus told, uh, you know, the Syrophoenician woman, he said, daughter, great is your faith. Amen. And then, of course, the commission that we're to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teach and preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is called the Great Commission. So say it with me. Great love, great faith, great commission. Amen. One more time. Great love, great faith, great commission. Now all together. Great love, great faith, Great Commission. And if we can advance and fulfill those directives, those mandates, I believe, then we are well-pleasing to the Lord. And we have fulfilled His purpose for, uh, you know, our lives and our generation. So, uh, you know, I, I think that we would just need to keep it in order and uh, in... Uh, uh, you know, walking in the great commandment or walking in love, 
would be the first thing that we would need to address to refresh ourselves along uh, these lines. How many knows that walking in love is important? Are we commanded to walk in love? It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's a command. And uh, so we're going to go back and refresh ourselves uh, on walking in love. And uh, the intent is that if we already are walking in love, we walk in greater love. And if we're not, and we see some areas that we're not walking in love, then we receive the instruction, the correction, gladly and rejoicefully and become obedient in those areas. Amen? But none of us has reached the apex. None of us has arrived to perfect love. None of us have, uh, uh, you know, uh, does not have room to develop and grow in those areas. And so we are going to emphasize that and talk about how to... Say how to, how to walk in love. Just some daily, you know, things that we can do that the Word of God teaches us about walking in love. Now, I um, there's two or three things going around in me, and it may take me, this might be just kind of an initial start this week, and it may, uh, you know, be that it gathers speed as we go. And so um, I read, I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures. Let's go to Matthew 24 and read something here about Matthew 24. And uh, talk about some of the reasons that were. I'll tell you what, before we read Matthew 24, go to uh, the book of Thessalonians. We'll do it that way. Will that work? First Thessalonians, and I might not have gotten here with part of my notes this morning, but it's First Thessalonians four nine. First Thessalonians four nine says, "But as touching brotherly love." He said, you need not that I write unto you. Now, he's writing to the church at Thessalonica. And he says, concerning brotherly love, he said, you need not that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. We're taught of God to love one another. Amen? Uh, of course, you know... Who better would know about how to teach us how to walk in love than love himself? How many believes God knows something about walking in love? He not only knows about walking in love, he is love. So if we're going to learn from love himself to walk in love, then uh, we can be taught of and we can have faith uh, to be taught of God to love one another. I believe the Lord can teach us in this season uh, of our Christian walk to walk in love greater than we ever walked in love before. <laughs> Amen. So as touching brotherly love, he said, you don't need that I write unto you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed you do it. And so, you know, I could say the same thing about our church. You're already, you're doing it. 
Amen? Hear good reports all the time of people walking in love toward one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. In other words, you've got a reputation for walking in love. He said, uh, you know, you do it toward all, all Macedonia knows that you walk in love. He said in the last part of verse 10, he said, but we beseech you or entreat you, brethren, that you what? Come on, y'all help me this morning. That you do what? That you increase more and more. So he said, you're already doing good in this area, but he said, I'm, I'm beseeching you that you do even better and you increase more and more in the arena in the area of walking in love. So again, none of us has arrived and we can all walk in love to a greater degree, to a better degree. He said about the same church, turn over to Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and uh, greeting them in the second chapter in verse 3, he said, we're bound or obligated to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet or right, because your faith grows exceedingly and the charity or love of every one of you all toward each other does what? abounds. So he again commends the Thessalonians writing to them and said, you're, he said, we're bound to thank God because your faith is growing exceedingly and the love of every one of you abounds. So our faith again is to increase and grow. And our love is to increase and abound. Okay, go with me to Philippians. He prayed for the church at Philippi, uh, a prayer here in chapter 1 about their love. And verse 9, he said, uh, Philippians 1, 9, he said, For God also, uh, I'm in chapter 2, we'll go to chapter 1. He said, In this I pray that your love may do what? Abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So he wrote to the Philippians that were already born again, that was already walking in love, and prayed for them that their love would abound more and more. So God wants your and my love to increase and to abound more and more. Say it with me. God wants my love walk to abound more and to increase more. Amen. So this is the thing that we're going to, to work on, and this is the thing that, unless the Lord leads us otherwise, that we... Uh, you know, need to be taught of the Lord in so that we increase and that we abound in even greater than we've already been abounding in. Now, I've been given some thought, uh, you know, as you progress in life, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, as you go through life, you again get more past the initial start of your life and begin to think more about 
what life is about, why you're here, right? How you're doing what God called you to do while you were here, right? What changes you need to make, if any, to, uh, you know, to do that better. And so, uh, you know, we should be, you know, I, I noticed the title of a book not too long ago called Driven by Eternity. Right? And we should be driven by eternity. The whole scriptural mindset is to be faith, you know, is to be looking forward to what is ahead and to live this life with wisdom in accordance to anything and everything that's before us. This life we qualify, this life we prove our faithfulness to and for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? In fact, this life is the shortest thing we'll ever do. I mean, we are eternal beings that are going to be part of an eternal kingdom, uh, you know, in the plan of an eternal God. And so this temporary time that we're here, uh, you know, we are to, uh, again, keep an eternal perspective and actually to be driven by eternity and live this light in light of future events that the Scriptures say will uh, come. And, of course, one of those things is is what the Scriptures say, uh, although it's sober and it's something we do need to talk about and be aware of, is the judgment seat of Christ, that we will all appear before Christ's judgment seat, right? And give an account of our life on how responsibly and obediently we've endeavored to follow God's plan and purpose for our life. Did we live it for him? Did we live it for ourselves, Right? What was our motivation? Was it selfish ambition? Was it self-glory? Or for, was it all for his glory? And things like that. And so those are sobering themes. And uh, here we find in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, uh, he was talking about that, uh, that different ministers, he and Apollos, and he said, I planted, Apollos watered, verse 8, the one that plants and the one that waters is all one. He said, we're labors together with God. You're God's husbandry or God's vineyard, and you're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another builds their own, but let every man take heed how he builds their own. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And he knows there's only one foundation. There's not multiple religions with multiple foundations. There's just one foundation, and there's just one Redeemer, and there's one Savior. And if that sounds exclusive, it is exclusive. Amen. There is not a multiplicity of people that are mediators between God and man. First Timothy said there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And the Bible says if you know the Son... Uh, you know the Father. If you don't know the Son, you don't know the Father. And so you can't get to heaven or can't be saved any way except through the way, God's way. Amen. And the way, the Bible said there's a, you know, there's a broad way that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow way that leads to life. And the Bible says many find the broad way, which goes to destruction, but only a few find the narrow way. So there's no other way to be saved than Jesus. 
Amen. You know, some of the statistics that Lance was reading from the article a few weeks ago about, you know, people believing that there's many ways to get to heaven. Uh, you know, that's popular thought, but popular thought is not necessarily scriptural. Can you say amen? So Jesus is the only foundation. Verse 12, now if any man build on this foundation, that is on Christ, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Now how many knows there's differences between those building products? Right? Uh, I mean, let me just say this. Hemi knows that, uh, that, that, you know, it could be said here that quality is more important than quantity. Now, God, I believe God wants, you know, widespread things done, and we're not diminishing that. But, you know, it's pretty easy to get a truckload of hay. And it's pretty easy to get a truckload of wood. But it's not so easy to get a truckload of gold or silver. Are you still here? And so just because there's a lot of quantity doesn't mean that the quality of it is right. And the thing that God wants us to have is he wants us to have the right quality and the right character of what we do, and it's done in the right motivation. Amen. And so you say, well, you're, you're departing from your subject of love. No, I'm not departing from love because this is what turns everything into gold and silver and precious stones. When it's done out of love, it's done with the correct motivation, and it will stand the fire, and it will be approved before the Lord Jesus Christ, and it won't get burned up. Can you say Amen. So he says here, for other foundations can no man lay than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon that foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, or it will be openly tried, for the day shall declare it, that is talking about the judgment day, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, again, uh, you know, it may not be the most popular message, but, you know, we're not made righteous by our works, but we are rewarded according to our works. Amen? And God don't practice socialism. He don't distribute the rewards of people that have labored, uh, you know, obediently in his kingdom for years and give them to people that goofed off. If you go, <laughs> might as well get into this. I mean, if you go back and read the parable of the, uh, of the talents, you know, the, the one guy was given five and he went and earned five more and the other guy was given two and he went and earned two more. And the other guy was given one and uh, he didn't do anything with it. And he called him a wicked and slothful servant, right? And he said, take the one talent and give it to the guy that already had ten. Right? The Lord is fair in what he does, but he doesn't practice socialism. He don't take away from and redistribute the rewards. So we're not saved by our works, but we are rewarded according to our works. Amen? 
And then each one of us are rewarded individually according to our own individual works. Right? And uh, I want, and I'm sure that you want, your works to be found to be gold, silver, precious stones when we stand before the Lord and of the quality and of the character that is approved before him. And so this is one reason I'm getting really interested in love and growing in love because it says over in 1 John, and we can go read it, but he says we can actually show up at the judgment seat and have boldness and confidence and not have any fear in the judgment because love cast out fear. And if we've done and lived our life in love and our motives have been all of love and the love has purified our motives and we have uh, laid down our life sacrificially, uh, for other people and for the kingdom of God, then uh, that our uh, that it'll be gold, silver, precious stones, and that we can actually not be afraid or ashamed at that day, but that we can actually have confidence in the day of judgment. We can show up and say, "Praise the Lord! It's a judgment day. <laughs> We're gonna get some rewards. <laughs> Might not have been perfect, done everything right, but God loves us, and we we as He is, so are we. We lived out a life of love." As Jesus, see, that's what he said. How, what is the great commandment? I'm getting ahead of myself. He said that you love one another even as I have loved you. So the Bible commands us to love each other like Jesus loves us. So we have both that possibility and that capacity to do that. And he says in First John, as he is, so are we in this world. That means we're loving others and living the life of Christ Jesus here on the earth so that when we stand before the Lord, our, uh, our works, uh, you know, will, the fire will just, you know, will not burn up our works, but our works will be in love. <laughs> Anybody interested in growing in love? If you've got any thought about where you can stand before the Lord in confidence on the judgment day, well, then the Bible says we hadn't been perfected in love. <laughs> so maybe this is for me this morning. I, I don't sense a whole lot of, you know, enthusiasm and excitement about this. But uh, I want to be taught by the Lord to grow in love, to live in love, that my words and my actions be in love to the extent that those things, when they are, are tried, will not be burned up with the fire, but they will remain. Can you say amen? So he says here, uh, now, if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Can you say amen? Say it with me. He shall receive a reward. Are you interested in being rewarded? then you're interested in laboring in love here in this life. Next verse says, If any man, any person's work be burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. 
In other words, the works might be burned up, but he is saved by the fire, uh, uh, you know, of the works of Christ. Amen? So, uh, you know, where we looked in Philippians there, uh, in Philippians 1, again, love was mentioned uh, in connection with our being perfected and matured. I'll read it to you again. He says uh, in Philippians, talking about their love abound more and more, he said that they might approve the things that are excellent, that they might be sincere, which would be the opposite of having deception, right? Sincere and without offense, when? Till the day of Christ. This is the return of Christ. And if we walk in love, we can live a life of, of, of that's minus offense. And when he returns, uh, there's not a, a record of so many offenses that we've injured and, and hurt uh, uh, others, but that we have, uh, we've lived a life of increasingly without offense. Now, some of you may not have any problem right now. You might not have offended anybody for several years now. But I would doubt that that's true. If you're like me, you've said something or you've done something that could be offensive and could be injurious to someone else. But uh, praise God, as we walk more and more in love, we can decrease those things and we can increase in our you know, love established or being made perfect in love. Can you say amen? So I want to grow in love in light of being driven by eternity because I know if I live a life of love that I'll be rewarded and my motivations will be correct when I stand before the Lord. Can you say amen? Is that a good reason to be motivated to grow in love? Besides Jesus saying that you should do it, that you, I command you to do it. You know, that's a good reason that he said to do it, right? But this is a good reason too. <clears throat> Go over to 1 John and let's read what we were just talking about. Say the great commandment. Praise the Lord. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 12, let's back up. Verse 10, oh, let's back up a little further. <laughs> Verse 7, beloved, let us love one another. Now there's about 60 one another scriptures in the New Testament. And about 12 of them say love one another. That's about 20% of them. If you read from this verse 7 to the end of this chapter, I think love is mentioned either as a noun or a verb 21 different times. I wonder, you know, if there was an emphasis. Remember the illustration that Pierre talked about when Elizabeth said, get the bread? Don't forget the bread. Sent the text. Don't remember to bring the bread. Well, if he mentioned this 21 times in just a few verses, then uh, this is uh, an absolute major that we should major. Amen. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, 
and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. In this was manifested, he said, here's how we see and have, it's been demonstrated to us, has manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So what is love? Love was demonstrated and manifested toward us in God sending his son that we might have life through him. We should never question whether God loves us or not. The very fact that Jesus came is testimony of God's love for you. Amen? Herein is love, verse 10, not that we loved God. In other words, it wasn't initiated on our part or begin with us, but that he loved us and sent his son the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to what? To love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. Spirit bears witness. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son, the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, that is Christ, so are we in this world. In other words, we love even as he loved. So again, we can have boldness in the day of judgment if we uh, walk in love. Can you say amen? So this is the great command. This is the royal command. This is Jesus' new command. And uh, this is a motivation for us to be there uh, and have gold, silver, precious stones, and not have wood, hay, and stubble that we grow in love. Amen? Another reason I'm interested in walking in love, and that's Matthew 24. Matthew 24. The Bible is talking about characteristics of the last days and of the end time. In uh, Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the end time, and he says... Uh, uh, some of the characteristics of the end time, he said, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and diverse places. This is a beginning of sorrows. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted, kill you, shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and many shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And, verse 12, because iniquity shall abound, the what? The love of many shall do what? Wax cold. So many people in the end times, the Bible says, instead of their love doing what we read out of Thessalonians and out of Philippians, increasing or abounding or growing, their love is going to cool down. And the, the truth is that either you influence your environment or your environment influences you. So if you're in the environment of the world, then the world can cool you down if you don't stay more often in the environment of the Lord. I mean, he knows if you stay in the Lord's presence and stay, you know, hooked up with a good church and attend regular and stay in God's word, then you're going to influence your environment instead of your environment influencing you. So the Bible said because sin's going to wax worse and worse, there's going to be more lawlessness, there's going to be more violence, there's going to be more offense, there's going to be more gossip, there's going to be more, more uh, railing on one another, there's going to be more evil. A lot of people, their love is going to cool down instead of get hotter. And so we have to be in opposition to that, and we have to build our love walk strong enough that we influence our environment instead of our environment influence us, because there's always a pull to pull you back into darkness or to pull you out of your love walk. How many ever went to the beach and went swimming before? How many knows what a rip current is? Or what a tidal flow is pulling you back, right? Well, the world will try to pull you back into selfishness, right? It'll try to pull you back into darkness. And so you've got to keep your love walk. You know, the Bible says in First Peter that we're to love one another fervently. What does fervently mean? Other translation says you are to keep your love hot or to keep it fervent. Keep it warm. Keep it stirred. I mean, as you stir up a fire, it gets warmer, right? And so instead of growing cold, which is a sign of the last days, then we are to the polarization that's happening. There's coldness happening there, but we are to get hotter and hotter, and our love is to get better and stronger. Uh, you know, an illustration that came to me when I was meditating on that verse, if you go to a restaurant to eat, how many like cold food? Right? If you're going to pay for it, you like what kind of food? Hot food. Well, my thought that came to me was, uh, you know, we're redeemed, we're bought with a price. So, you know, if you don't like cold food when you pay for it, then when Jesus comes back, does he want Christians that has a cold love walk when he comes back? 
or does he want, if he paid for it, shouldn't they be hot? Shouldn't, if he paid for it, your food should, if you pay for it, your food should be hot when you get it. And, and if he paid for us, then <laughs> amen, he don't like lukewarmness. He paid for you. He paid for me. We're purchased not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. So we're to be fervent. We're to be diligent. We're to be earnest. We're to be on fire. We're to get stirred up. And so the Bible says that the world is going to wax colder and colder and get colder and colder. But we are going to, uh, of a necessity, our love walk is going to have to insulate us from the coldness of the world. Right? And we're going to have to get hotter and hotter and warmer and warmer and increase more and more and abound more and more in love. (laughs) Can you say amen? So two motivations that I'm saying that's necessary for us to increase more and more is, number one, uh, of course, you, uh, number one, you can't do away with Jesus said, this is a new commandment I give you that you love one another. The one motivation to do it is it just pleases him. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we need to emphasize what he emphasized. So we need to walk in love because he said to walk in love, right? But we also need to walk in love because when we appear before the Lord, we want our works to be silver, gold, and precious stones and not wood, hay, and stubble. Can you say Amen. And we need to increase in our motivation and love because there's a consciousness and awareness on our part as we're living in the last days that there is a polarization and there's a growing darkness and there's growing coldness. And the Bible even says that the love of many is going to wax cold. And we need to, uh, you know, have the antidote for that. So the antidote for waxing cold is to stay warm and stay fervent in love and grow in your love. Walk with the Lord. Can you say amen? I believe we'll close this morning. First Timothy, let's again look at what the characteristics of the end times are supposed to be. First Timothy chapter 3. We need to be aware of these things. Can you say amen? And awareness, you know, is the prelude to preparedness. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. You know, I have never, and we're not preaching a message of doom and gloom. You know, the Bible said when we see all of these things happening, you know, the more corruptness in the world and the darkness in the world, the Bible says not to get down and cry and weep. It says to lift up your head and look up for your redemption is closer than it ever was before. And we're to be positively expecting the Lord's return. Can you say amen? 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, chapter 4, excuse me. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy here and said, Now the Spirit speaks expressly or distinctly uh, that in latter times, you say, well, is this the latter times? Well, the Bible said these were the last days. Amen. And, uh, you know, even... You know, the Bible says one day, if, even if there was some time ahead of us, uh, the Bible says one day with the Lord is as what? A thousand years. So if the Lord didn't come back for, uh, for uh, you know, another 500 years, that'd just be three and a half days with him. 
So, you know, we have to, you know, get more, uh, you know, our mind renewed in the way the Lord's, uh, the Lord is and the way he thinks, right? And so it is the last days. And one thing we do know, uh, nobody has lived at any later times than we're living right now. <laughs> right? This is, this is the freshest and newest last day that there's ever been right today. And uh, Paul said this, he said, and I think you can see that some of these things are very evident, if not all of them, as the, as the signs of the times that it is the last days. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now that sounds like, a, uh, you know, Matthew 4, that to some will their love will wax cold, right? And they'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Well, doctrines would indicate that this has a church setting. You know, everything that's not preached in the church doesn't come from the Lord. (laughs) Amen. You're supposed to judge it with the Word of God. Amen. He said they'll speak lies and hypocrisy. Uh, They'll have their conscience, excuse me, seared with a hot iron. Uh, They'll forbid to marry and command to abstain from foods or meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Uh, He said, uh, for every creature of the Lord is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it's sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Can you say amen? So here he mentions the last days. And then uh, go to Second Timothy chapter three. Now he was writing this to Timothy two thousand years ago, so we know that much time has transpired. Second Timothy chapter three one. This know also that in the last day perilous times shall come, for men shall be what. Lovers of God, lovers of others, lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters. Now, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, which is covetous. So they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, bragging about themselves, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. I mean, there's a lot of unnatural affection in our society today. Truce breakers, that is, they don't keep their word. False accusers, incontinent, that is, they don't control themselves, no self-control. Fearous, is there any fearous people out there? Do you hear any fiery, furious exchanges in media nowadays? Despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. So, again, here's a, a list that we don't want to find ourselves in. Can you say, man? So, the Bible talks about you know, loving God and loving others. This is the great command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? 
But in contrast here, the end times is going to be, which people are going to, their love is going to wax cold. Uh, They're going to love themselves, they're going to love money, and they're going to love pleasure. Instead of loving God and loving others. Amen? So again, uh, you know, just the days, you know, Jude said, you know, uh, in connection with the end times, he said, keeping yourself in the love of God. In other words, there's a pull to pull you out of the love of God. Instead of waxing cold or diminishing in love, we are supposed to be abounding in or increasing in love. Can you say man? And so this is the great commandment. This is something that we need to have watered. This is something we need to hear. This is something that, uh, you know, uh, purifies our motives. This makes us ready to stand before the Lord. This keeps us apart from the negative uh, darkness in the last days. This is pleasing the Lord. And this is being conformed to God himself and to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ to grow in love. Can you say amen? So we really hadn't got into uh, how to walk in love and looked at some of those things, but we have talked about some motivations on why that it's necessary that we uh, think this direction and make an effort this direction and grow this direction. Amen? Paul prayed for the Philippians that they would grow in love. We can pray for ourselves, for our church, that we would grow in love. Amen? We can, uh, you know, meditate upon these things. I mean, those, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Well, <clears throat> a fruit is not mature when it first forms on a tree. It has to grow and develop. So, you know, we need to grow and develop in the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and it will affect every area of our life. I mean, people tell, well, we want more miracles and more healings. Well, that is demonstrations of God's love. We want more operations of the gifts of the Spirit. Well, the Bible says, let everything be done in love. And the exhortation to the, what we call 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched in between uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the operation of, you know, the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 14. Can you say amen? It's to govern every area. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, and I think it's 13, it says, let all things be done in love. How many things? All things. Uh, You know, I went to school with a a little guy. I think he was like an, you know, Indian from Peru or somewhere. And he was, you know, probably, you know, about four and a half foot tall. But he was a, a a brother to be around, just loved God. But he liked mayonnaise. And one day we were talking about that verse. (laughs) You know, to let all things be done in love. And he said, love's just like mayonnaise. It's good on everything. So, you know, the Bible says, let everything be done in love. And it even says, and we'll get into it, but it says everything that's not done in love, even if you give your body to be burned, it says it doesn't profit anything. It says if you can prophesy, you know, or you can have faith to move mountains, but you don't have love, it says you're you're just a clanging cymbal and a noisy gong. In other words, you're just a bunch of noise. You're useless. 
and our usefulness is not how many spiritual gifts we have. And I believe in speaking in tongues and spiritual gifts. And it's not how many verses we can quote. It's how we operate and how we walk out love. The Bible says, by this, by this, what is this? Well, the verse above it is this. He said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. How are we going to be earmarked? What's our brand? It's love. Amen. And I believe that, we, that this, this community, uh, you know, our city and our area, can be confronted with the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. They might not all be saved, but they can all be confronted with the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is that testimony? That if they're around us, they see a love that's outside of the love of money, the love of pleasure, the love of themselves, that they see a self-sacrificial love. I mean, you know what the Roman Empire said about the first century and second century Christians? They said, behold, how these Christians love one another. The thing that brought the witness of Christ to the first centuries of the church was what Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. So I can grow in this, you can grow in this, and we can impact our city, we can impact our area, we can impact outside of our area if we walk in the great commandment. And that's the chief and first thing. So if you want to stand happy before the judgment and not have a bunch of anxiety and worry, you live out a life of love. Right? If you want to not slide back into the cesspool and the slime and the darkness of this world and stay out of a cold, lukewarm Christianity that's straddling the fence and stay on fire and love for God, then you grow in love and you stay out of that. If you want to please the Lord Jesus Christ and be taught of God himself to be conformed to his image and be more like him, it's growth in love. And so you just, I mean, God is love and love never fails. You can't talk about love too much. And sometimes we need to have a refresher on love. And I feel like the Lord is directing us to do that. So we got started today. You know, Romans says, you know, it said in 1 John, he that loveth is born of God. So there is a kind of love that comes from being born of God or becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus that is different from any other kind of love. And so that can be fostered and that can be fed and that can be developed and that can consume and govern our words and our life. Amen? And we're to encourage one another this direction and walk it out uh, with one another, and we'll see uh, the witness of Jesus Christ stronger than ever. Can you say amen? Stand up with us. Man, I am finishing at 1137 this morning. All because of love. What about the other days that we went past lunch now? Sit with me. I have the love of God shed abroad in my heart. I'll yield to that love. Feed that love. Exercise that love. 
and live in victory over everything that opposes that love. I'm a love child of a love God. Love never fails. And when I walk in love, I never fail. Amen. Glory to God. Did y'all get anything out of this this morning? Praise God. Hopefully we're stirring your pot up some to get hungry and, and lay hold on. You know, like one person said, you know, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. But there's no rules against putting salt in his oats to make him, <laughs> to make him thirsty. So I'm trying to put some salt in your oats this morning to pursue and to achieve a high degree of development in this. Uh, for the glory of God. Amen. Father, we do thank you for loving us, and we do know love because of what you have done and demonstrated in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that you so love the world and that you commended your love and directed your love to us when we were sinners and we didn't respond to you in any way. Uh, we were ungodly, children of wrath, children of disobedience, but you died for us uh, in, when we were in that state. We thank you, Father, that that's replicated, duplicated, and reproduced in us. And Father, we thank you that uh, the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts uh, by the Holy Spirit uh, uh, is, the, is the fruit that begins to be uh, so copious in this church body, in our church family's life. And Lord, we know uh, as Paul said, that they didn't need it written to them, that they were already doing it, but that he entreated them that, it do, that they did it more and more. So we thank you for taking us to a higher place and personally teaching us, taught of God, to love one another. We thank you that you're teaching us in Jesus' name to fulfill the great commandment for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, you need to rededicate your life to the Lord or need to accept Christ as your Savior, there will be ministers up here that love you, that want to meet with you. Otherwise, we're going to have a little time of fellowship outside and stay and visit with people. And uh, we love you and appreciate you. Have a, a good day. Stay warm. <clears throat> this message has been brought to you by Faith Builders Family Church. To learn more, please visit our website, www dot faithbuilderschurch dot net